millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I'm going to look at a little bit about the kind of the context of the Watergate scandal and the kind of political mood that was there within the kind of the um, the American population as as a whole. The the kind of the the level of attention that was actually being paid to the scandal. Um, as it started to evolve, which is fairly minimal, um, and the uh, kind of quite robust political fortunes of of Richard Nixon. And the reason I want to talk about this is because it, it kind of shows you how an example, well, an example of, of how political um, scandals and crises kind of blow in seemingly out of nowhere but have a, a long and, and gradual accumulation factor, a sort of a dialectic, if you will. Um, and I'm reading from uh, The Invisible Bridge by Rick Perlstein. Now, if you recall, um, the anything that I'm reading about at the moment that you like the, like the sound of and think might make a good Christmas present or you want to buy, um, if you go to the, the link I'm going to put in the bio, go to Storytellers Inc, uh, a wonderful little uh, independent bookshop, and quote Explaining History, they'll give you 10% off. Um, so do do make sure you use your independent bookshops because you'll, you'll miss them when they're gone. Okay, but uh, try that out anyway. So... Rick Perlstein um, writes in The Invisible Bridge, which is a, a fantastic book, uh, the, the story of the decline of Nixon and the rise of Reagan in the Republican Party. Presidents are always storytellers, purveyors of useful national mythologies. And surprisingly enough, Richard Nixon, this awkward man who didn't even really like people, had not been so bad at the duty, at least in the first four years of his presidency. At his inauguration, he promised to bring us together. Pundits swooned. A little more than nine months earlier, he delivered one of the most politically successful addresses in the history of the presidency, the silent majority speech, which in his single even in a single evening increased the numbers of Americans who approved of his handling of the Vietnam War by 19 percentage points. In August 1971, at the lowest political ebb of his term, against a backdrop of some of the darkest economic portents since the Great Depression, he told a story about how he would protect the plain people from economic marauders menacing America from abroad, and sang out the dry economic details of Executive Order Number 11615, providing for the stabilisation of prices, rents, wages and salaries, like a celestial chorus. Today we hear echoes of those voices preaching a gospel of doom and defeat. I say, let Americans reply. Our best days lie ahead. A pollster said of the approval that followed, I've never seen anything this unanimous unless it was Pearl Harbor. So after that, um, he had a, a, a diplomatic triumph in China, meeting um, Chairman Mao Zedong um, and visited Moscow fairly soon after that, managing to uh, initiate um, nuclear arms reduction talks 
um, and appeared to be close to his end game of withdrawing America from the Vietnam War. All in all, Nixon um, at that point is speaking a very attractive message to the American public. He is saying um, that uh, the sort of things voters like to hear. Don't worry about um, the economic problems that are facing us. You know that are facing the rest of the the, the industrialized world of rising inflation and sluggish economic growth. Um, we will come through it because this is this is what America does. America overcomes these sorts of things. This is a very uh, very attractive message, and then he's demonstrating that the inertia of the uh, of the cold war can be shifted and um this virulently anti-communist leader can negotiate with the communists and uh, protect america's interests the a grateful nation uh, granted him re-election writes uh, rick perlstein against the democrat george mcgovern with 49 of the 50 states and a record 61 percent of the vote including millions who had never voted republican before southern good old boys hard hat wearing union members and jews um this was a an election victory um, that uh, was only rivaled by the 1964 election victory of Lyndon Johnson, the, the famous Johnson landslide. However, on June the 17th, 1972, four Cuban burglars were caught breaking into the Democratic headquarters at the Watergate office complex in Washington. Within two years, this triumph this epic election victory of this strangely popular president, this peculiar, awkward man who was uh, dislikable as a as a person, if you for the people that knew him, uh, a very troubled, dour individual, a, um, a alcoholic who um, brooded with um, anger and resentment towards others, who you know has managed to for a brief period of time, kind of capture capture light, electoral lightning in a jar by learning kind of how to speak the language of what kind of ordinary middle and working class America are looking uh, are looking to hear. This man, within two years, this is all over uh, because of what we're about to see emerging here. So four Cuban burglars are caught breaking into the Democratic headquarters at the Watergate officers complex in Washington. One of their accomplices, James McCord, had headed security for the president's re-election office. The Washington Post discovers that two accomplices, E. Howard Hunt, later the CIA, and G. Gordon Liddy of the FBI and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, had worked in Nixon's White House uh, and re-election campaign respectively. But the political damage was definitely neutralised. I'm not going to comment from the White House on the third-rate burglary attempt, the president's spokesman, Ron Ziegler, said. Even as Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward of the Washington Post kept up a steady stream of scoops, tying the conspirators to the Nixon re-election campaign, and reported that squads of dirty tricksters had circulated the country, sabotaging the Democratic contenders' campaigns. It's interesting to compare Watergate with our, our current circumstances. Uh, I write here, for, uh, I podcast here from the UK, um, 
and obviously we can look at the example of uh, recently departed Trump's America, perhaps to re reappear fairly you know, in the next couple of years, ominously, and, and look at um, the the power of the the kind of the gathering Watergate scandal here. It would seem unlikely now that reports of dirty tricks um, and uh, unhand behaviour would have anywhere near the same kind of impact. An awful lot of voters, and perhaps this is the legacy of Watergate uh, and subsequent scandals, have in a numerous um, uh, advanced democracies priced this into the the political decision making and made the broad assumption well, that kind of all politicians behave like this. Now, for our purposes, looking at the past, I think we can one of the things we can draw from the Watergate scandal is that that was not widely assumed. Is that a a view of um, democracy in America, participatory democracy, was that uh, whatever else comes or goes, political leaders do tell the truth. Political leaders don't behave in criminal ways. Political leaders. Um, are fairly honourable, and the odd one isn't when you catch them out. Um, and so I initially, the uh, explanation that all this was was a burglary, that kind of holds up. Um, and most Americans, um, most American sort of consumers of uh, newspaper media, particularly, pay comparatively little attention. The Chicago Tribune. Uh, did not run a front page story on Watergate until late August of 1972. A Watergate inquiry by the fiercely independent chairman of the House Banking and Currency Committee, Wright Patman of Texas, could not win enough votes to go forward. Before the 1972 election, Gallup asked the public, which candidate, Mr Nixon or Mr McGovern, do you think is more sincere and believable? Nixon won 59% to 20. Now, he wrote in his memoirs of his re-election landslide, I plan to give expression to the more conservative values and beliefs of the new majority throughout the country and use my power to put some teeth into my new American revolution. One reason why um, large numbers of people were willing to... Uh, ignore this relatively trivial matter of this this burglary, whatever it was about. As firstly, the, the connection hadn't been made to uh, the presidency, and it was impossible. It was possible to conclude, well, whatever's going on, it must just be a, a, a couple of sort of slightly rogue people in the White House, and Nixon will get rid of them. Also, Nixon is saying in 1972 something that's quite compelling to lots of Americans, something that is quite attractive, that after the kind of comparative chaos of the 1960s, where Nixon could look to the anti-war movement, the student movement, but particularly the rise of black activism, civil rights movement, the black power movement, which left uh, many white Americans deeply troubled, 
even those that didn't like to overtly think of themselves as being racist, with this uh, assumption that the country they knew, which is a, a white dominated country, was somehow under attack. And Nixon used the idea of crime and law and order as a kind of a racist dog whistle that he would be, be tough on crime, which was code for tough on, on black men. And and this is really, really very, uh, a very, very potent um, uh, mixture of ideas um, to people who describe themselves as being socially conservative, which is a large number of Americans, um, to uh, restore America and restore the America that once was this kind of mythical imaginary America of the 40s and 50s. Um, where people respected the flag and did their duty and all, all this other patriotic stuff. Um, his, this, this kind of conservative counter-revolution, which in many ways in America has been repeated again and again and again since Nixon. And it works electorally very, very effectively and has really shifted um, the political landscape to the right relentlessly with the, obviously, all sorts of other kind of uh, media collaborators and, and, and that sort of thing. But it, it, it emerges from the, the Nixon era. In the weeks before his re-inauguration, re um, writes Rick Perlstein, during the Christmas season, no less, he had risked international opprobrium by carpet bombing North Vietnam for almost a fortnight. He weathered the political storm. He was weathering all storms and then... On January the 27th, 1973, he signed the Paris Peace Accords. The gross national product grew 8.7% in the first quarter. The Dow Jones was high. The Dow was high. Um, unemployment was low. Inflation predicted to fall below the previous um, year's 3.5%. And his economists told him with no worry about more inflation in the long term. At the news uh, of advance work for a summit in June with Soviet leader Leonid Brezhnev at Camp David, a 23-year-old wrote to his hometown newspaper about how all his life it had been his duty to hate two things, Monday morning and communists. I'm no longer supposed to hate communists, and now I fear that Monday mornings are in jeopardy. Is nothing sacred anymore? In New York, a group of supporters began researching a constitutional amendment to allow Nixon to serve a third term. So it's important to kind of freeze frame this moment uh, in, in, in the mind. Um, this is as good as it gets for Nixon. Um, December 1972, January 1973. It's um, if you were in the White House at the time, you would be thinking that, you know, if, if only convention allowed Nixon to uh, serve a third term, we, we, we would win hands down. Um, this is a president who um, could uh, carry it, go on and on. Um, but within 12 months, everything has changed. And this is, this is, this is the interesting thing about the power of the Watergate scandal. Um, Nixon, uh, a man given to hubris, uh, believed that he was politically untouchable and he had uh, all the the kind of the, uh, all, all the sort of the suspicions and paranoias that he kept with him, um, that, that, that festered within him, um, helped him to kind of create a mental map of the world where his downfall 
um, was eventually due to disloyalty and enemies and traitors and and, and backstabbers uh, and people out to get him, uh, particularly um, the uh, the Washington Post. So Rick Perlstein writes, and so he took bold steps to remake Washington in his image. Mrs. Nixon. Chief of Staff uh, Bob Haldeman sent a curt letter to hundreds of presidential appointees demanding their resignations. They were replaced with more loyal men. Nixon announced a radical reorganisation of the executive branch to give the new loyalists more power. He announced a Labour leader as his new sec Labour secretary, a historic first. That held out the promise of consummating one of his dearest dreams, to peel off the white working class from its historic attachment to the Democratic Party. I think we're going to keep them split, his conciliary on this project, Charles Colson enthused. I'm awful bullish about what we can do in this country. The four burglars and their superior, Howard Hunt, pleaded guilty. The zealous G. Gordon Liddy refused to testify in the trial. Only James McCord appeared in the courtroom. The indictment was extraordinarily narrow, making the claim that Ted Kennedy or Woodward or Bernstein that this strange crime stood at the centre of a matrix of Nixonian corruption sound fantastical. The trial began days before the inauguration in the gilded ceremonial courtroom of John J. Sirica, an obscure federal judge whose badgering of witnesses about matters beyond his brief. Did they get any money to go in there? Was it purely for political espionage? What was the purpose? Made him look like a fool. For example, a handsome and smooth young treasurer in the Nixon campaign, Hugh Sloan, was asked about the time in the spring of 1972 he authorised his boss and even smoother deputy campaign manager named Jeb Stuart Magruder to pass over an enormous wad of cash. What was the purpose of the $199,000 to Liddy? I have no idea. You have no idea, the judge chuffed incredulously and started pressing even more intently. Why, he wondered, every time cross-examination led to the Nixon headquarters or to questions regarding the hundreds of thousands of dollars of other, invest uh, uh, other investigations that already established had been laundered through Mexico before passing through the malefactor's hands, did memories grow vague? So the, 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 the odds at the beginning of the Watergate um, scandal against Nixon didn't look good. Um, the the trial again at this point is not establishing the the vast scope of the conspiracy. The the, the Watergate conspiracy itself. I mean, Watergate's a bit of a problematic term because it focuses on the burglary, but often what appalled Americans was not just the burglary, but the, the wider set of conspiratorial behaviours, the the um, actions of the committee to re-elect the president across America, um, seeding stories in newspapers, um, engaging in all sorts of uh, dirty tricks um, to undermine um, the democratic process. Part of the fact uh, of the Watergate scandal is that, is, is that it is kind of one branch of a much wider kind of Nixon scandal, um, which was perhaps the uh, product of Nixon's personality himself, uh, Nixon's sort of suspicions and resentments uh, and his belief that uh, he was under attack and so needed to be fighting a kind of a political war 
against his enemies uh, and and I, I sense that this is this is at the heart of it now it's not to say that you don't get other kind of uh, mentally um, uh, mentally unwell shall we say or emotionally unwell characters in in the White House if you read about uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, or John F Kennedy you don't find happy individuals. These are sort of morose, brooding characters. Um, and there are all sorts of questions about um, the, the, the the mafia and uh, rigged ballots and all sorts of things with Kennedy's um, election in, in 1960. Um, something that Nixon was hugely resentful of when he he, he is uh, has his feet put to the fire by Watergate investigators he says you know you've got you've got to take into into account how everybody else in this in Washington behaves timorous prosecutors writes uh, Rick Perlstein did not follow uh, the lead of judge Sirica on January the 29th, 1973, they closed their argument, noting that the defendants were often on an enterprise of their own, apparently at the sole instigation of Gordon Liddy. At a cocktail party, the judge was asked, only half-jokingly, if the McGovern people have hired you to try to reverse what happened in November. The jury convicted McCord after only 93 minutes of deliberation. Judge Sirica complained. I'm still not satisfied that all the pertinent facts that might be available, I say might be available, have been produced before an American jury. He set bond at $100,000, then he ran to the media to spread more imprecation. It got little coverage. The New York Times dismissed the judge's dignified clamour. On February the 7th, the Senate set up a special subcommittee under Senator Sam Irvin of North Carolina, not a nationally prominent name, to investigate 1972 Nixon campaign abuses. So here's where the uh, the scandal moves forward a little bit. There was a, a kind of a hope within the White House um, that with the uh, the first conviction, that that might be the end to to things, but apparently not. So in 1972, um, the campaign abuses, the, the campaign abuses of 1972 were investigated. Um, the resolution uh, to establish it passed 77 to nil and hardly would have been unanimous had anyone in Washington imagined that it would amount to much. So, you know, the, the, this unanimity doesn't suggest that there were thousands of, well, there were um, hundreds of uh, American um, political figures in both houses um, who were baying for Nixon's blood and wanted him out. Its unanimity suggests that, well, sure, vote it won't mean anything. Um, in, in fact, actually, if you if it looks like you're addressing something, but nothing comes of it, then that's that's probably a good thing. Senator Irvin himself considers it simply inconceivable that Nixon might have been involved. So again, this, this is a, a really interesting moment in American history because it shows you the president that lots of people think exists is, is a very different character to the one that really exists. So as we look more at Nixon, um, and I, I want to continue with uh, Rick Perlstein, probably into into next year now. What we're going to see 
is how rapidly uh, and the kind of the dynamics by which um, Nixon unravels. But the, the thing that doesn't unravel is the this this kind of right wing counter revolution that Nixon brings about. And the reason for that is perhaps got less to do with, you know, Nixon as this brilliant uh, political uh, operator and more to do with the fact that the 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 ideas, the beliefs, the attitudes, the values existed within a significant number of American people and were there to be exploited. Politicians don't really create movements. They find them. This is my, my, my general view. It's probably somebody else's idea is that. OK, we're going to finish now. I just guys want you to know that uh, when we get to 2022, it will be the 10th year of the Explaining History podcast. I'm quite amazed that this has been going for an entire entire decade. So um, we're going to be improving the podcast. Um, there's a, an, an actual proper producer coming on board, so you won't be having to put up with my kind of uh, scratchy lo-fi nonsense. Um, and there'll be a kind of a, a few a few other changes. We're going to um, really try to sort of. Uh, develop the format and 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 grow what we do. Um, so, f I guess what I'll I'll say now is we've got a couple of podcasts left to go between now and the end of the year. Um, but if you've been with me throughout that time, I'm hugely hugely grateful. Uh, and if you just started listening, um, then you know it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting ride next year. Um, we keep doing the same stuff, um, and uh, we'll keep talking about history. Anyway, have yourselves uh, a great week and remember, check out um, Storytellers. They will give you 10% off any book I talk about on here that you're interested in and uh, cite uh, Explaining History uh, to get your discount. Thanks very much. All the best. Take good care. Bye bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.